Faith Matters Podcast. I'm your host, John Morgan. This is the second podcast for the Evangelical Chapter of the Foundation for Religious Diplomacy, and uh, my guest today is Pastor Steve Stone of Heartsong Church in Cordova, Tennessee. Pastor Stone, welcome. Oh, thanks. Good to be with you. Good to have you here. You came to my attention um, about a year or so ago due to uh, your interactions with uh, Muslims in your local community and their Memphis Islamic Center. Could you summarize your story of, of what happened uh, as you reached out to that community, as you saw them in need? Sure. Uh, it was uh, about uh, four or five years ago now, I was reading the Commercial Appeal, our local paper, one morning, and saw in there an article where uh, a group of Muslims had bought a 30-acre tract to develop a, a mosque, a daycare, a retirement home, school, all kinds of things. And I thought, that's interesting. And then uh, I saw that it was right across the street from our church. And, I, and then I thought, that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and my stomach tightened up. And uh, I realized that that was fear and ignorance because I didn't know any Muslims. I knew one Muslim guy that worked out uh, at the club where I did, but I really didn't know any Muslim people. So I realized that was fear and ignorance, and I knew that as a Jesus follower, fear and ignorance is not supposed to make my decisions for me. So I just began to pray, and I said, Lord, what do you want us to do? There's these Muslim people across the street, and immediately the story of the Good Samaritan began to play in my mind and in my heart, You know, where Jesus took a, a person that that crowd would have uh, most likely uh, vilified and hated for no reason at all and made that person the hero of the story. And not only did he say, this this guy was a good neighbor, but you go and be a good neighbor like this guy. So when I got through with that kind of prayer, I thought, okay, Lord, you want us to love them. They're our neighbors. They are physically our neighbors right across the street. So you want us to find a way to love them. Didn't know how to do that. But the first thing we did, we got this sign, this final sign about six feet by four feet and erected it uh, on our property facing their property. And it said, Heartsong Church welcomes the Memphis Islamic Center to the neighborhood. That was it. Big red sign, big white letters. They didn't have anything going on at the property at that time, but now and then they would drive by and take a look at it. Um, after three or four days, one of their members saw it, and it just blew them away. Uh, they, they later confessed to us that the most they hoped for was to be ignored. <laughs> they, they just, just don't. Don't come over here and pick it or anything like that. So that they they wanted to get together. We got together and began to talk just to meet each other. And uh, they would have events out there. And we would say to them, uh, you're free to use our building. You can use our bathroom. You can use our parking. If you have events you want, you can use the building for different events. So we just began to have a, a relationship like that. Uh, that lasted for a couple of years until we got to the 10th anniversary of 9-11. And when that rolled around, they were trying to complete their, excuse me, their first building, 
which is a 4,000 square foot uh, multi-purpose building, uh, eventually will be their daycare center. Uh, they were about to get that done, but they were coming up on the month of Ramadan where they needed a place to pray every night and came to us and said, we would like to ask if there's some place in your building where we could meet those nights, just a room somewhere. And I said, well, how many people are we talking about? They said 200. So, well, the only place we've got large enough for that is where we worship on Sunday mornings. You're mm-hmm. welcome. Yeah, come on in. We don't have chairs in there during the week. We can set it up however you want to. Come on. And uh, Bashar Shala, who's the president of their uh, congregation now, a good friend of mine, and also my cardiologist now, uh, <laughs> yeah, he said, uh, well, we are going to pray. We ask you to pray with us that uh, our building is finished and we don't even have to come in because I know that could cause you a little problem maybe. And I said, well, I'm not worried about that. And I will pray with you that your building is completed, but I will also pray a competing prayer that your building is not completed so that you have to come in here at least one night. And and so we all got a good laugh at that. And my prayer one, the, the building was not completed. Of course, it's a building project. It's not going to be done on time. And they came in and instead of being with us for a couple of days, they were with us for the whole month of Ramadan every night coming in about eight o'clock and we would come into the building and uh, we would bear witness to Jesus every night. We'd wear our t-shirts that said we were Jesus followers and all that. And they would come to us and say, uh, you're such great people. We'd say, no, 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 we're, we're not great people. We're pretty ordinary people, but we follow a great Lord. So we very, very soft, you know, kind of witness, just letting them know who we were. They stayed the whole month here. We became great friends. At the end of the month, there were genuine tears, you know, on both sides as, as their building was completed and they began to go for their, their weekly prayers in their own place. And and from that, we just developed a, a friendship and uh, began to do some things together. Now, some of this took place uh, at the same time that another pastor was making headlines for a very different approach to, to Muslims when the pastor in Florida was... Uh, stating that he was going to uh, burn copies of the Quran. How, how did his approach act as a, a foil against what you were trying to do in Tennessee? Well, I think it actually went the other way around. I okay. think we became a foil for what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, we, uh, somebody got on to us. I, I don't know if it was first a local news outlet or, an, or a national news outlet, but uh, we became the anti-Terry Jones story because of our friendship and relationship with the Memphis Islamic Center. And for about five weeks, uh, Dr. Bashar Shala, the president of their congregation, and myself ran from TV station to TV station, uh, local, national, international, and the same with uh, radio interviews nationally and internationally and, and print stories, people calling us from near and far just to talk about our story. So a lot of publicity got out there. A lot of goodwill went out from just our simple friendship of being good neighbors to each other. Now, you've talked uh, a little bit about the reaction of the Muslim community. Um, what about the reaction of your own congregation? Was it all positive, or were there some that, that struggled with uh, whether that was the, the right course of action? Well, there were a few that struggled. We're, we're a flock of about uh, probably 800, and we lost 20 people over it. And we tried not to. We tried to work with them, tried to help them understand what we were doing. Everything we've ever done or will ever do is a witness to Jesus. So this was an opportunity for us to bear witness to our faith, not only by what we say, but 
how we live. And there were some people that just could not get their hearts and minds around that. And at the end of the day, uh, we let them go. You know, we said, well, if that's really how you believe, if, if you really believe these people are idolaters and they're desecrating the sanctuary, that's just so not us. And, and at the end of the day, we were, we were glad if they couldn't change their hearts and minds that they, they went to another fellowship so that they couldn't go out in the community and say, we go to Heart Song and we hate what's happening. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that stayed loved what's happening. And, and there were people that wrestled with it some. But they were willing to wrestle with it. They were they wrestled with uh, the concept of of uh, doing things with people of another faith, of uh, of sharing our uh, sanctuary space with people of another faith. But but it was all great uh, great wrestling. You know, anytime somebody would bring up a what was really a cultural or religious uh, objection, I'd say, okay, find me that in the Bible. Let's talk about it. They mm. couldn't find it. <laughs> they just couldn't find it. So. A lot of people were won over, and uh, it was just a beautiful, it has been a beautiful experience for us. You know, in my experience with evangelicals for many years, I've served as a pastor. I now work in interreligious relationships and encounters. Um, it seems to me in general that evangelicals, for whatever reason, tend to have kind of a, a defensive, sometimes even hostile faith identity when it comes to people in other religious traditions, some more so than others, especially uh, Mormons, Muslims, and pagans. Um, why, why do you think you were wired differently? What was it about you and much of your congregation that reacted in a very different way to the needs of the Muslim community? Well, we, we try to keep it simple here at Heart Song. Uh, we say we are not a, a religious people. We're a spiritual people. We define religion as rules and regulations that human beings made up to try to control other human beings. So we say we're we're a people of faith, and we're Jesus followers. We even hesitate to identify ourselves as Christians because if somebody these days asks me, "Am I a Christian?" I want to say, "What do you mean by that?" And then once they tell me, I can say yes or no. If if they say, "Well, you know those people that go to the funerals of military folks and and hold up signs that say God hates faggots," I'm like, "No, nope, that's not me. I'm not one of those people." So we define ourselves as Jesus followers, which says a lot more about what we do. So we focus on love, the two commandments, and uh, it, it was a, just a no-brainer for us. Uh, there's only two commandments. The whole second part of it's about loving your neighbor. These people were right across the street. How can we blow that off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, theology is tremendously important for evangelicals. Um, many times, you know, it, it supports the, our praxis and what we do. You've touched on this a little bit, I think, already, but what would you say is the driving theology for you that provides the foundation, for whether engaging Muslims or, or anybody else in your community? We're, we're uh, a United Methodist Church. We don't broadcast that because we're, we, wanna, we don't want anybody to kind of drive by and see the Methodist tag and go, oh, I know who they are, <laughs> and just keep going. So we kind of take that away from people, but we are deeply Wesleyan in our uh, faith. And, and John Wesley would say, uh, we hold to what is at the core of the gospel. And on all else, we think and let think. And Wesley would also say, if your heart is as my heart is, give me your hand. You know, not if you think like I think, or you mm -hmm. share exactly the same beliefs, I, I, I think. So Methodism itself is already a big tent as far as there being uh, liberals and conservatives and everybody in between who 
if they can coexist with other people, that's kind of, they'll stay in the fellowship. If, if they realize suddenly that everybody's not liberal or everybody's not conservative, then they usually can't, can't stick around for that. So we were already pretty diverse people to begin with. Interesting. You know, in my research and going through the Internet and, and reading different articles about you and your work in preparation for this interview, I came across a Christianity Today article where the author raised some of the concerns that you've, you've mentioned that some in your congregation had wrestled with. And in particular, his concern in this essay was about the possibility of false worship that might take place in, in the worship area. And he, curiously, he wrote about where do we draw the line in being a good neighbor? And I'm just wondering, how would you respond to that kind of thing? For, for Christians, you know, many times we are very close to the fundamentalism that evangelicalism came away from, where we, we're trying to balance the, the, the call to reach out to the neighbor in love and yet to maintain some kind of purity at the same time. How would you respond to those, whether it's the author of this essay or those Christians who are recognizing increasingly a religiously plural America and they're uncomfortable with what they see around them, what kinds of, of advice would you give to them in response? Well, we, uh, my small group uh, is just in the middle of a study called uh, Bridges, which is about how to build uh, bridges with Muslim people. Since we know so many Muslim people, how do we witness to our faith to them? And uh, it, it was just a great uh a way of helping us remember that it's not our job to convert anybody. It's our job to bear witness. It's our job to be an ambassador for Christ. So we stand firm in, in who we are as a people, and we bear witness to Jesus in everything we do. Um, we think that if we interact with people, we have a lot better opportunity to uh, earn the right to share our faith story with them through the building of relationships. So it's all about relationships. And for us, it's all about being Jesus followers. You know, we believe that everybody needs what we have, uh, a loving relationship of trust with Jesus. And so everything for us, is that's the baseline for us. Mm. You know, uh, I recently finished reading the book Evangelical Peacemakers, um, which was a collection of essays looking at evangelicals <clears throat> across the spectrum from progressive to conservative and how more and more evangelicals are getting involved in not only evangelism and the call to witness, but in peacemaking that Jesus called us to do. And a focus primarily overseas with Islam, but I see someone like you being a peacemaker right here in the United States. But your work has also had ramifications around the world. I heard a story about how someone had seen an interview with you on CNN and it impacted Muslims around the world. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes, it was, a, it was actually a 45-second interview with <laughs> Max Frost of CNN International out of London. And uh, after that interview, I got a phone call from a man who had been waiting to talk to me for four hours, and it was the middle of the night for him. Uh, he said he was from Kanj, Pakistan, and he and a group of his uh, Muslim friends were watching uh, the interview on TV. 45 seconds, and he said, he's Muslim, he said, when you were speaking, it was like God was speaking to us. He said, we knew you weren't God, but it was like God was speaking through you. And, and after you got through, uh, we just sat there stunned. And he said, after, after several seconds, one of the guys said, how can we kill these people? They love us. 
<laughs> and they just sat and talked about it for a while. One of the guys got up and left, and they realized he had left, and, and uh, he was gone for 45 minutes. Came back, and they said, where were you? What were you doing? In that part of the world, especially in that part of the country, it's uh, Christianity that's a minority and, and often persecuted. And this guy had gone to the little church nearby where they lived and had cleaned it inside and out. And he came back and told the group about that, and they were so inspired by what he did that uh, this man said, uh, Pastor Stone, please tell people in the United States we are not terrorists. Please tell them we think it's the greatest country on earth. Please tell them we love God and we love them. And for the rest of our lives, we're going to take care of that little church. Now, that's a world changer. That's <laughs> on the other side of the world where, where a simple act of just good neighbors changed the world. You know, we in, in the United States, the story of our relationship with the Middle Islamic Center, for most people, I would say uh, at least 80 to 90 percent of the people, is a feel-good story. Around the world, it's an amazing story that Christians and Muslims are, are interacting the way we are. Well, I, w I was inspired not only from what you've done here locally, but uh, those, those results are, are around the world. I just think it's amazing. Um, Finally, Pastor, what advice would you give to pastors and congregations? You know, also in that book, Evangelical Peacemakers, Pastor Bob Roberts of Northwood Church in Texas says that in his view, the greatest thing a pastor can do is to equip and empower his congregation as, a, as an entity to reach out to other religious groups, whether the, the local citizens in a mosque or what have you. What advice would you give to pastors and congregations in a post-9-11 world about how they can make a difference in their community? I think we have to, to uh, teach our people and help our people become aware that uh, the, the worst thing we can do as Jesus followers is to become an enclave or, or isolate ourselves from the rest of the world. You know, we bear a witness. We're called to bear a witness. And the the biggest part of the witness we're called to bear is how we live, how we love our neighbors. So it, it, we should always be the first ones to cross the relational barrier and meet people and meet our neighbors and get to know people of all different kinds. And, and uh, the, the more we get to know people, the more fascinated we'll become by them and the more we'll understand why God loves them and why God wants them to be included in, in the kingdom. Wonderful advice and counsel, Pastor. This is Pastor Steve Stone, pastor, uh, senior pastor of Heartsong Church in Cordova, Tennessee. And uh, thank you so much for your continued work and making time for this interview. Well, thank you. We, we really appreciate the opportunity to, to share the story because as it, as it gets told, uh, people kind of warm up on both sides, on all sides. You know, we got 90% uh, of uh, the response we got from our story was positive, and we heard from Muslims, elapsed Muslims, Jews, ex-Jews, Christians, ex-Christians, uh, atheists, pagans, and, and a Wiccan priestess. It was just so amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I hope the work continues. And uh, again, thank you so much, Pastor. It will. Thank you, John. Appreciate it very much.